0: Excited to be able to gather around the Word this morning. And uh, so excited to be here today. So, I want to welcome all of you guys and welcome everyone that's going to be connecting uh, through the week uh, on YouTube. In fact, if you don't follow us or if you haven't subscribed to us uh, on YouTube, you can do that. It's just simply uh, The Becoming Church, and uh, you can stay up to date with all content that's posted there. And also follow us as well on social media. It's The Becoming Church on Facebook and on Instagram as well. Uh, Not because we need the followers, but so that we can uh, connect with you and you can. all the latest and greatest. Well, I'm excited today to be able to jump back into uh, this series. So if you were with us uh, last week, uh, we began this collection called Live Big. And the idea behind Live Big was it's not about, you know, big homes, big cars and big vacations and and big money and all that stuff. and, And nothing's wrong with that. But it wasn't that. That is the idea of our existence, or the reason that we're here. That I mean, there's there's a there's a way that God has called us to live, and we talked about oftentimes many of us we're not living this big life, if you will, that God wants us to live because uh, we have decided to live a fenced-in life. And we came from uh, Second Second Corinthians chapter six uh, verse eleven, where Paul is telling uh, the Corinthian church, he's like, listen. I haven't fenced you in. The smallness you feel, it's because you've chosen to live that way. And oftentimes a lot of us, if we feel like, man, this life is kind of small or we feel like it's fenced in, it's because we've chosen to live that way because life in Christ is not small, but it's big. And so we got to get outside of the tent and see this open, expansive life that the Lord wants us to live. And it's not for the purpose of us. But it's so that we can make a difference in the lives of those around us. And so this week, I'm excited to continue that conversation. Like, okay, so we step outside of the tent. Now what? Right? We need to know what to do now that we're outside of the tent. And we're going to read, we're going to be coming from uh, Joshua chapter 3 to help guide in our conversation this morning. And so if you have a copy of God's Word, you can go ahead and turn with me there or scroll with me or is there another way yet? Like, or it's going to be available up on the screen. So there you go. You got some options this morning. Joshua chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 9. Y'all got it? If you don't, I was going to say, I'm going to move on anyway because it's on the screen. (laughs) Here we go. Joshua 3, verse 1. It says this, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shidom and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark, and do not go near it. In verse 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Somebody say amazing things. I feel like that's worth repeating. There we go. Verse 6, Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. And listen, that same promise right there, you might as well insert your name. God is telling us this morning that as I was with Joshua, I'm with you, Greg. If there's a Greg in here, <laughs> as I was with Joshua, I'm with you, Cheryl, right? God is reminding us through his word that he is with us. And then it goes on to say, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. And then verse nine, Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. So to give some context to this text, Moses, who was a leader of uh, the children of of Israel, has just died. And so because of that, a new leader must be appointed. That new leader is Joshua. And so at this point, they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and now this new generation uh, is ready to enter Canaan. But first, God must prepare Joshua, who is this new leader. He prepares him One, because he knows the people that he's dealing with, and he knows where they're going. So he says, Joshua, you're going to need courage, right? You're going to need faith. And he's like basically telling Joshua, these people that you're dealing with, you're going to need that, but also because of where you're going. And in the same way, Joshua must lead the people to know the importance of needing courage and faith. And so Joshua, he would end up sending out spies with the help of a prostitute named Rahab, and they were able to spy out the land that they were about to inhabit. Which this brings us right up to our text this morning in Joshua 3, where they are ready to cross over the Jordan. And so this morning, family, i want to have a conversation around this idea, how to cross over. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. God, we thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. Holy Spirit, you're here. We welcome you. We invite you in this space. And God, we just ask that you, you speak to us over these next few moments. I pray that our ears are inclined to hear from you, that our eyes are open to see what it is that you want to show us. And Lord, I present myself to you. Lord, I, it's, I don't, there's not some intellect I can pull on. There's not some training I can pull on. There's not this expertise, any of that, God, it's your presence, your power that I need to communicate your word to your people. And so, Father, we ask that you do that in Jesus' name. And may you be exalted today as as you already have been. May that continue through your word. And so, Lord, we say speak because we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Come on, come on. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, do you like to uh, shop for people? By the silence, that answer is no. <laughs> I saw one hair right there. But I get it. I'm completely with you because shopping for people can be extremely stressful, right? Because especially depending on uh, the personality of the person that you're shopping for, right? Maybe they have very expensive taste. And so you're trying to figure out like, yo, I really want to get this for you, but I can't afford to get this for you. I, I I can't take out this second mortgage on the home. Like, or it's the person that no matter what you get them, it's never enough, right? Soon as you give them the gift, they're already trying to find out ways to tear the gift apart. Or there's that person that you're trying to scratch your head and like, you have everything. What do I get you? You, you see where I'm going? It's Stressful. Now, for me, it is stressful not because of those reasons, I must say that first, because of what I'm about to say next, to shop for my wife. You see why I needed to say that first before I said that next. But it is stressful for this reason her birthday is in November, at the end of November. Now, in my mind, you know you, you know, you just be counting dollars and quarters and, 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 and dimes and nickels. You're like, okay, your birthday right here and then Christmas right here. So let me carry the one and see how all this is going to work out. It's a lot of stress. And so every year, like, I'm trying to figure out what it is I'm going to get her. Because, and, and, and look, fellas, like, I can't, like, go cheap on the gift. Or, like, not necessarily cheap, but just halfway in with the gift because Christmas is around the corner. She's like, no. My birthday is my birthday, and Christmas is Christmas. So you need to get it right on my birthday just as well as Christmas, right? But I'm still trying to think of this budget situation, so it's a lot of stress. And then on the other end of that, our youngest, Zoe, the only only girl, she decides to be born two days after Katie. As if she had a decision in it. But she, she was born two days after Katie. So now the two ladies of the house, birthday is at the end of November, 35 something like that days before Christmas, lots of stress. And you may say, well, okay, maybe I can get it. I can track with you on why shopping for Katie could be a little bit difficult. But always she's a little, little girl. She's two years old, barely. That, that should be easy. I wish it was that case. This girl, listen, like just the other day, she's asking for pretzels. And so I, I go in the pa- uh, pantry and I, I get her some pretzels. And then she goes, so I hand it to her. She goes, nah, I don't want it. Right? And it's like that every time, like, we'll go to Target and we'll, we'll get a toy. And then she doesn't want it. And so just stress, I'm like, where are you getting this from? <laughs> Who's teaching? Somehow y'all resonated. There was a lot of fellas laughing with that. But it's funny because I told Katie one time, Zoe was like, I don't know, she was just wilding out and doing whatever. And I'm like trying to figure out what is it gonna be to make her stop. And Katie's like, so is it kind of like that with me? I'm like, it's exactly like that. With you. I'm glad you get a little taste. Of what this is like, <laughs> where was it? Oh yeah, so, um, so yeah, so there's stress, and it's stressing me out now. But it's stress, it's stressful. And so every year, you know, I'm pulling up to the house because I'm be honest, I probably waited too late to be able to order it and have it show up like everybody else does in 2022. But I'm probably out driving crazy trying to find something, pulling up to the house, hoping. I hope she really likes this. And Katie, I can I can read the response. And so I know whether it's like a hit or a miss. And so I gauge on the response. She tries to hide it, but I, I figured it out. And so every year there's stress hoping that she likes this gift that when I cross over the threshold or whatever, that she will embrace this new gift with excitement. And now you guys may be feeling like, where are you going with this? Here's where I'm going. Sometimes when we're getting ready to cross over into something new, it can be a little interesting, right? It, it can be a little different trying to figure out how can I embrace what God is doing. And so some of us, we, we do like last week and we, we live this fenced-in life. But I don't think that's the answer. I don't think we need to fenced, live a fence in life I think we need to prepare to cross over and actually embrace what it is that God is trying to do in our lives. And I get it. I, I, I think some of you out there, I feel like even now, you sense like, man, I don't, I can't really figure this out. I, I feel like something's different. Something's on the horizon. Some, something is happening. Like, I feel like God is doing something new in my life. I, I feel like I'm, I've stepped into a different season. I feel like it's, it's, it's time to cross over, but you're really trying to figure out how— Do I embrace what God is doing? And maybe others others of you, you've made some New Year's resolutions and and already in March, or let's kind of actually go back probably the next day, you probably broke those New Year's resolutions. But can I tell you this morning that it's not too late to cross over, that you can cross over and embrace exactly what it is that God wants to do in your life. You can embrace the newness that God is bringing And last week, we kicked off this collection of Live Big, and the question that we're asking for the next couple of weeks is why live small when you can live big? And we arrived at that reality that many of us are living small because we're choosing to live inside the tent. We're choosing to live this fenced in life because that tent, it represents comfort. It represents safety. It represents security. It represents what we know, but that's not how we've been called to live. We've got to get outside of the tent because there is no vision in the tent. There's no vision for your marriage. There's no vision for your family. There's no vision for your career, for the things that God has called you to do. There's no vision inside the tent. It's like the Lord did with Abram. You've got to get outside with God, get outside the tent and see what is available to get a vision, to look up and see everything that God has made available to us. And so living big is not about big homes or big cars or big money and, and any of that stuff. It is about living a life in Christ and walking in the calling and purpose of our lives so that we can make a difference in the lives of those around us and advance the cause of Christ. It's not to advance the cause of me or the cause of my, my, my family or my brand or my image or any of that. Living, living big is about advancing the cause of Christ, advancing the kingdom of God. And so, family, it's one thing to get outside of the tent, but it's another thing to leave the issues of the tent behind, right? It's like the Israelites, you can get out of Egypt, but has Egypt gotten out of you? And so we can get outside of the tent, but the issues of that tent can still come with us. And so today, we've got to figure out how do we cross over and leave the habits of the tent behind? That's what we're going to do. Let me tell you this. The idea of crossing over is nothing new to God. We can see it all throughout scripture. Remember Joseph, right? He found himself from being inside, sitting in a prison cell, to becoming second in charge all over Egypt. I'm gonna call that a crossover. Think about the three Hebrew boys. They went from sitting inside a fiery furnace to then gaining influence with the ungodly king. We're going to call that a crossover. Or here's the greatest crossover of all time. That would be what happened when Jesus got off of that cross, conquering death, hell, and the grave, snatching the keys to the kingdom and giving us access to him. We're going to call that a crossover. And I also think that's a good place to clap right there. Because let me tell you, when he got off of that cross, when he got out of that grave family, everything changed. We crossed over from death to life, right? He was made alive, and we were made alive with him. You know, when you read Scripture, you got to think about the different perspectives that are in Scripture. So in that instance, can you imagine... Like, the devil's like, yo, we did it. Good job, guys. Like, they all high-fiving all all his little little, little demons. (laughs) They're high-fiving like, yo, we did it. We took out heaven's best shot. That was it. They have nothing left. But three days later, family, everything changed. That is a crossover. Now, as a basketball player, like how I framed that, as a basketball player, I got I to gotta come to terms that those days are over. But as a basketball player, I think basketball is absolutely the greatest game ever invented, the greatest game that is played. And I understand I'm in football country. I get it. But since I have the microphone, I get to communicate that. <laughs> but what's really cool right now is our oldest son, Isaiah, he's really taking a liking to basketball. And I love it. Right. I was like, you know, he plays other sports. That's cool. I'm going to encourage him in that. And I know a little bit about the other sports. I just can't teach it in the same way that I can teach basketball. So I'm really excited that he's taking a liking to basketball. And what's also cool is that his favorite player is Kobe Bryant, which was my favorite player, because I really believe that you must raise kids up knowing the right stuff. And so he must know we're not going to mention that guy who needs to take off my favorite team's jersey and going back to Cleveland. We're not mentioning that. (laughs) But it's his favorite player. And and again, Kobe's my favorite player. Kobe had all kinds of moves. There was really nothing he couldn't do. Uh, on the basketball court he had the fadeaway that he fadeaway that he picked up from Mike he had the pull up jumper he could shoot the three ball he could drive to the basket he really could do everything on the court he could cross over as well but he didn't really make the crossover famous who made the crossover famous was Allen Iverson AI some of y'all know like AI really made the crossover fa- crossover famous by the way he would just leave opponents in the dust now, if you're wondering, like, what exactly is this crossover thing that you speak of? So a crossover is just a basketball move. It's a way of pretty much evading the enemy, your opponent, the defender. So you're over here, and you cross over here, and your opponent goes there, hopefully, if it was good enough, right? That's, that's the idea of a crossover. Now, the point is, with the crossover, you don't want to just make a move. And, and, you know, go up with some weak layup and, and miss it. Like, if you're like me, you would, you know, hit a crossover, Josh, and, and just go in and dunk it. But that's if you were like me. <laughs> but you at least want to make the layup, make the jump shot, or score. The point is this. You want to you do that. You want to score. The, absolute thi- the thing that you absolutely cannot do is hit your opponent with a sick crossover and then brick the shot but you must cross over and score. Here's where I'm going, family. As a community, as we prepare to cross over in the city of Huntsville and Madison, the surrounding areas, we want to cross over effectively. We want to cross over well. Make it personal. Say your name that as a follower of Christ, I want to cross over effectively. I don't want to appear to just have it together. I don't want it to just look like I have it together, but no, I want to cross over well. And this is important considering our text. Joshua, he's the new leader. And the reason he's the new leader, he he took over from Moses, but the reason he is the new leader, because Moses, upon his death, he wasn't able to step into the promised land. Why? Because when Moses uh, went to the Lord, because the people were complaining like, we don't have no water, we don't have this, we don't have that. And so the Lord said, listen, Moses, I want you to speak to the rock, and water's going to come. But Moses, out of his frustration, instead of speaking to the rock, he ended up striking the rock. And because of his disobedience, he wasn't able to cross over into the promised land. Family, we don't want that to be our story. We don't want that to be our experience, but we want to cross over. Over Well, can I tell you this, that there are people that you have no idea that are counting on you crossing over well. There are people in your path that God is going to divinely put there that will be needing you to have crossed over well because there is something that you carry that they need. There is something that they've been praying for that God has put on the inside of you that you're going to be an answer to that prayer. But listen, we can't provide that through the Lord if we do not cross over well. We must cross over well, family. So to ensure that we do, I want to share with you this morning keys to crossing over. Y'all ready? The first key is this. Follow the presence. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. In verse 3 of Joshua 3, it says this. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. You know, literally to this Sunday... Everything in terms of of our country, for sure, but across churches across the world two years ago, things began to change. There were churches that were moving to uh, uh, online uh, services only. And there was so much that happened in 2020, but if we're honest, there's a lot of effects of 2020 that still remain. It was one of the most polarizing years in recent history. We saw so many lines in the sand be drawn. It was almost as if people took this mindset that you got to choose this day which side of the land that you're going to stand on. Either you were going to be Black Lives Matter or you're going to be Blue Lives Matter. You're either going to be pro-mass or anti-mass. You're going to be pro-vax or anti-vax, Republican or Democrat. No matter what it was, the line had been drawn. And this is the part that hurt. Not only was the line drawn, but I saw people cling so tightly to that side that there was no room for discussion. That families were torn apart. That friends were no longer friends. That people lost their jobs because of an ill-advised tweet. And at any single moment, you could be canceled and not even know it. And if we think that this was just an outside the church thing, it really wasn't. This type of living had infiltrated the church. And in some cases, the church was leading the conversation. And so many of us in that time, in whatever way, form, or fashion, we got it wrong. We can admit that. like We subjected ourselves to following whatever it was that we made king. If it was our opinion, if it was our politics, or whatever it was, we made it our king, and we follow it instead of following the one true king. So with all that being said, here's what I want to say here this morning. If, you're, you're, if this is your third time with us, or maybe you hung out with us at a startup party, or maybe this is your first time here, and you're trying to figure out well, what kind of church is the Becoming Church? What direction are you headed? I'm going to tell you straight up. The dire- direction that the Becoming Church is headed in this morning is in the direction of God's presence. It's not about any of that other stuff. We want the presence of God. It's like when Moses, when he was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, and they were in the wilderness. The Bible tells us in Exodus 13 that they followed the cloud by day and the fire by night. It's the presence of God that we need. My opinion is not going to change anything. My politics are not going to change anything, but it is the power of God that brings change. (laughs) That there's, there's hope in this city that we, that the city needs hope. But if we're spending all our time talking about our opinions and our politics and this, that, and the other, and listen, family, I'm not saying we can't be informed. I'm not saying we can't know what's going on, but we can never put that above following the way of Jesus. We must start with the presence of God. All these other things will pass away, right? But it's the word of the Lord that will remain. So we're going to follow the presence of God, right? If we really want to make a difference in this community, if we want to be not just another church in the city, but a church for the city, is going to start with following the presence. And I get it. That can, that can kind of, depending on maybe some past experiences or some upbringings, you can kind of say, hold on, brother, what do you mean with this presence stuff, with this power of God stuff? That can get a little weird. And I'll say, yeah, it can. But can I also tell you this? Now you probably have encountered some weird people when you checked out at Publix. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Maybe through the drive thru of your favorite restaurant. Maybe that coworker, right, that wants to always get you to try the dish at the potluck. <laughs> but can I tell you? They just may be weird. You can still love them, but the power of God isn't weird. It's people that is weird. You still go back to Publix. You still go back to Chick-fil-A. You still go back to your favorite coffee shop. So why do we exclude a, a person of the Trinity, right? It is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you this morning, we need the Holy Spirit. And they may say, I don't know if you should communicate that in a three-week-old church, but family, this is the foundation that we're starting on. And so I want you to know up front, this is where we're at, right? This is where we are. And I believe that this is the direction that we need to head because of even what Jesus said himself. He's there with the disciples, and he's like, yo, it's good that I need to go, and it's going to be good for you. Can you imagine the disciples like, bro, I am struggling living right now I didn't deny you already, and you talking about it's best that you go, and it's gonna be. Hmm, what what what's going on? Like can you, I just see them like, you know, like he tripping. I mean, dude, I mean, I know that what happened with that fig tree, and he really was hungry. He was mad about that. Like I just see them having a conversation, like, yo, what is what is up? But what Jesus was getting, that he says, no, unless I go away, the Advocate can't come. Your helper can't come. Your comforter can't come. The one who will lead you into all truth, who will reveal the heart of the Father to you, will not come unless I go. So as, as hard as it may seem, it's best that I go so that the Spirit of God, so that your advocate can't come. Otherwise, all of us in here, we'd have to figure out how to book a flight and, and, and get over Israel just to have a moment with with all the other billions of believers across trying to find that moment, right? But it's the presence of God that's been made available because Jesus says, I must go. And understand this in, in regards to the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no revelation without him. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no joy. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no peace. There's no vision without the Holy Spirit. We can't live In freedom, without the Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians three seventeen, it says this: "The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom." And so, all right, we can stop and we can look at this verse, and we can ask a question. We can say, "Okay, well, where is the Spirit of the Lord?" Okay, well. Okay, God is, I'm not present, so we can say everywhere. Spirit of the Lord is everywhere, so we got it. So now that we've answered that, it triggers another question. Okay, well, is there freedom everywhere? Well, there's plenty of places that exist where there's no freedom. There's no freedom in prison, right? You're incarcerated. Um, For some people who are out in clubs or partying or whatever, some of them, there's probably no freedom in their lives as well. They may appear free, but may be bound by some other things internally. Some homes, people are not free. If we're honest, in some churches, there isn't freedom. So we got we to look at this a little bit more. So the Greek word for Lord in this scripture is kairios, which is defined as supreme in authority. So then when we go back, to that scripture. Can you put that scripture, 2 Corinthians 3:17 on the screen? So then when we go back to that, then maybe a way that really pulls out the power of the scripture is that if we read it, where the spirit is made, Lord, there is freedom. Or where the spirit is supreme in authority there is freedom. Family, it's only when we make the Lord supreme in authority in our lives that we can experience freedom, we can experience hope, we can walk in breakthrough, we can step into deliverance, we can hope again, dream again, because we have made the Lord supreme in authority over our lives, not our ideas, not our opinions, not our intellect, not our career, not in what family we come from, not what network we have built up or established, but when we make the Lord supreme in authority of our lives, we can walk in true freedom. So family, if we're going to cross over well, we're going to need the presence of God. We must follow the presence of God, not our emotions, not our feelings, but we need his presence. It's his presence that enables us to live different, enables us to live the way that we've been called to live, which leads us right to our next key this morning, which is live different. So crossing over, it means going from one place to another. Think about that basketball analogy. I was going here, but I crossed over here, right? It's it's leaving here and it's getting there. And that's much of what life is. Life is a journey of becoming. And it's a journey that takes us to different places and spaces. And and oftentimes, it's places that we've never been before. And if we're going to go somewhere that we've never been before, then it's going to require us to live in a way that we've never lived before. Because the same approach will not bring new results. I have tried it with my diet, and it just does not bring new results. But the right approach will bring the right results. And so Joshua, in 3 verse 5, he says this, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, consecrating is just this word that means to set ourselves apart. And so Joshua's telling the people to set yourselves apart from whatever habits you have, whatever mindsets you have picked up along the way, and some things that you have held on to, some traditions, and traditions aren't bad, but we just can't make traditions Lord, right? What what we are about to step in, Joshua's saying, what we're about to step in is different. It's different from anything that we've ever encountered, right? The Lord says, look, you've never been this way before. So it may be familiar, but you haven't been this way before. So that means we've got to live different. We've got to live a set-apart life. And I get it. If you heard just even the word consecrating, or then you hear set-apart, then you can say, okay, here we go. Another conversation about the things that I can't do. But that is not what it means to live set apart. That is not about what we are being called from family. But it's about who we are being called to. It's not about what I I will not get to do. But it's about all the things that God is trying to open us up to see that I am being set apart for him. So it's not this idea of what I'm being called away from. But it's about this idea of who I am being called Two, So because of that, we're going to have to make some decisions. There's some evaluations that are going to have to take place. And I think we should all do that. We should all stop and pause and evaluate, where am I at right now in my life? Where, where am I at in my walk with the Lord? And maybe you don't, you're not a follower of Jesus, but can I tell you that there's eternity that he has set in our hearts. And in the same way, you can still pause And evaluate in the same way. So with that, we may say, well, what relationships need to be maintained, right? What relationships need to be adjusted? Can we get real on a Sunday morning? Sometimes there are people that you're connected to that the reality is, is like, you're just not good for me. It's not good that we are connected in this way. So there's an adjustment that has to take place, right? It doesn't mean you cut people off. It doesn't mean that you dismiss people. But if I continue to engage with you in this way, it's not going to be good for me. And so there's an adjustment that has to take place. You see it with Jesus, right? This is an example of him. There was the 70. There was the twelve. But then there was the three. Because friends, some people can't go where the Lord is taking you. So some people, you're going to have to pause right here. Then there's another group. We can go this far. But then there's another group where the Lord is saying, listen, this is who I've called you to do life with in this way. So relationships can be adjusted. You may have to ask the question, well, what is it that... I do that I don't need to do anymore. Maybe it's shows you watch. Maybe it's movies you connect with. And you may say, well, no, bro, it's, it's cool because I can handle it. But then that might be the problem is that we can handle it, is that we've lost that sensitivity. We, we've lost that, that whole idea of, of being set apart to the Lord. Now, as I talk about, well, let me go back to this. The bottom line question that we must ask in this, what relationships need to be maintained, what needs to be adjusted, what is it that I need to cut out of my life, is because the question has to be, well, how does this affect my relationship with the Lord? That has to be above it all. And if it's going to negatively impact that, then we must make those changes, family. Now, as I say, we need to live different. I don't want you to hear better than. That's not what living different is. Living different is not equal to better than. Now, Christianity, it does have, it does have this, unfortunately, this, this, this reputation that, well, those are those people that think they are better than everyone else. Because they do everything right. They do everything perfect. They're sitting there and they're judging here and they're pointing here. But listen. Christianity, it doesn't have a message problem. The message is the hope of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. It's the good news that has the power of salvation. There's nothing wrong with the message of Christianity. What it is, there's a branding problem. The brand of Christianity has become this idea of exclusivity. And so what needs to be understood is that living different, it doesn't mean exclusivity. It just says, hey, I'm living different from you. But I'm not better than you. And I'm only different from you because of this change that has made the difference in my life, which is Jesus. And the same difference that I have experienced is the same difference you can when you submit your life to the difference maker. Are you tracking with me this morning? So it's not this idea of different from means better than. No, no. It means I'm living different from you, but I'm not better than you. And you, too, can experience this same difference. And so Joshua tells the people that you must consecrate yourself because there are amazing things that God wants to do. And we see that God has been. And so when you look at scriptures and, you know, this wasn't written yesterday. So we can come to this conclusion that God has been calling us to this lifestyle that I'm about to mention next for a long time. And that's a lifestyle of holiness. People are really like, bro, you're not supposed to talk. This is week three. This is not what you're supposed to talk about. I get hearing the word holiness can really, if Set Apart did it, holiness, you're about to flip some tables. <laughs> but it is not what you think. It is not what we may have been taught. It's not a, about how you style your hair. It's not about how little makeup you wear or how much makeup you wear. It's not about in the car you drive or work you, it's, that's not what holiness is. It's not about religion. Holiness is simply becoming like the Lord who is holy. That is it, family. And I want you to hear this. You know, get get rid of maybe the teaching that you have heard or just maybe a preconceived idea of what you thought it was. But I want you to hear this, is that holiness is attainable. Holiness is absolutely attainable, and maybe you've disqualified yourself because of your past or your story, but I'm here this morning to tell you that it's attainable, and it's attainable not in all the things that you can do, not in how you can work for it. Holiness is attainable through a process called sanctification, which is exactly that. It's, it's, this, it's a process. So our ability to live a holy life is based on our ability to submit to the process of sanctification. In other words, just give yourself time to become, to belong to community, believe in Jesus, and become who God desires us to become. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. You are a work in process. I'm a work and process. We we all are. And so if you mess up along the journey, don't hit the exit ramp. But you just keep going, right? And if you do, loop around that thing and get back on. This is what it means to live a lifestyle of hope. It's, It's about becoming. It's not in all these ideas of what I need to do, how I need to dress, how I need to talk. I'm not going to stand up here and speak in the King James English, whatever you call that, the Bible. Like, they didn't speak that. It was the Middle East. Like, no. But holiness is this process of becoming holy like the Lord is holy. So it's not in your works. You don't have to do good to get good. Man, I was at the first three services of the Becoming Church. Mm, that's not what it is. Like, yes, gather, do that, but be the church outside of here as well, right? It's it's Holiness is attainable. You, so the question is, well, then how is it attainable? Holiness is attainable when you allow grace to lead the way. That's how holiness becomes attainable. Holiness is not attainable because of our works. It's not in what we do. Holiness is simply attainable because of God's grace. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, this is Paul, he's speaking. And he says this he says about God's grace. He says, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. Not so that I can stay there, right? It's not about gloat, it's not about so I can stay there. He says, No. Because it's so the power of Christ can work through me. So that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We must allow grace to lead the way. That is the way holiness is attainable. It has nothing to do with us. In terms of what we do, but it has everything to do with Jesus and the grace that He is. When we attempt to work out our holiness on our own, we're going to fail consistently. Right? That's, that's why Jesus had to come fulfill what the Old Testament could not. He fulfilled all of that because, in and of ourselves, we could not. So He had to fulfill it. It's the grace of God that truly allows us to live empowered lives. So living different, it's not based on our favorite podcast, our favorite commentator, or our favorite book, but living different. If we're going to really live different, it's going to be based on our ability to listen to the word, which is our final key this morning. So we live in an age where everybody wants their opinion known. I think we know that. Just go to Facebook right now. Go to Instagram right now. Go to your favorite news outlet right now, read a comment section on some story, and you're going to see everybody wants their opinion to be known. Or maybe if there's a social issue relating to some hot topic um, issue of the moment, the question is always going to be asked, well, what's your stance on this? Everybody wants to know your opinion. But the truth is, as followers of Jesus, we surrender that opinion the moment we say yes to Jesus when it matters that he has already spoken to. So if he's already talked to this, I'm going to defer you to what the word of the Lord says. I can think what I want to think and all that, but it has to, we have to defer to what the Lord says. Because the truth is, this is what we need a reminder, is that Jesus is king, which means he's a monarch, right? So he wasn't voted in, and we also don't get to vote him out. So what he says is what goes. So it's not about what I think, but rather, well, what does Jesus have to say? What has he said about this? And that's why family, like I believe the word of God. Like I believe that God used people to pin his words. I believe it from the front all the way to the back and including the maps as well. Like I believe all of it. Now with that, we do have to remember, right, context is king. So <laughs> I don't even know if I should say this, but we're going to do it. Don't, don't be like, well, you know, Solomon, he had, you know, all these wives. That's why I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> we must understand that some things are described. Other things are prescribed. Did I say that right? Okay, (laughs) so that's just describing something. It ain't prescribing something. So we must get the context of the scripture as well because people will use scripture to try to manipulate to whatever way of thinking, whatever way and, and thought that they want people to believe, but it's the context that is key. So here's what I'm trying to say, family, is what I love about the Bible Is that other books you can read, but the Bible is the only book that will read you. And it doesn't read you to shame you, but it reads you to transform you, to show you a new way of living, a new way of thinking. So I want to close with this. In verse 9, Joshua tells the people, like, look, listen to the words of the Lord your God. He's like, look, I know it's been a long time coming. I know there there are a lot of opinions on how we need to move forward in possessing this promised land, but we don't have time for your opinions or agenda. We only have time for the word of the Lord so that we can cross over. And it's the same with us this morning, family. We don't have time and space for ideas, opinions, and preference. We only have time to listen To the word of God. Because listen, just one word from the Lord, it can change everything. If you don't believe me, just go ask a man named Lazarus who was dead in his grave when the Lord said, Lazarus, come forth. And do you know what happened at that moment? At that moment, everything that was dead was now alive. Where there was no hope, hope was found. Where there was mourning, there was dancing. Just one word can change it all. So I don't know what it is that you're walking through. If it's sickness, just one word, you can walk in healing. If it's brokenness, just one word, there could be restoration. If you have lost hope, just one word can fill you with the hope of Jesus Christ. Just one word changes it all. And I love the pinpoint accuracy of the word of God, that Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Can you imagine if he only said come forth of what would have happened? Because where he was buried, it was basically, it was likened to a cave and there were other dead bodies in there. And so if he just said come forth that every dead thing in there would have came alive as well because of the power of God and you would have had the Thriller video before the Thriller video. (laughs) But my point in this is the word of the Lord can speak specifically to whatever it is that you're walking through right now, to whatever you are facing. It may have been written in antiquity, but it speaks with specificity to your life Today, it is a, it's alive. It's not a dead word, but it is a living word. We need the word of God. Psalms 119, 105 says that the word of the Lord is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Oftentimes, we find ourselves wanting to go from conference to conference, from church to church, person to person, looking for the word. When the Lord says, if you need a word, get in the word. I've already spoken, I've already said it. And you may feel like it's a long time coming, but can I tell you this, Isaiah 55 and 11, it reminds us that the word of God will never return to him void, but it will accomplish what it was sent out to do. So listen, God did say it. And just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean he didn't say it. But just hold on a little longer, trust on a little longer, keep praying, keep fasting, keep worshiping, keep praying, keep trusting, keep believing, keep hoping because you will see the word of the Lord, become a reality in your life. So we must follow the presence. We must live different. We need to listen to the word. But what is the whole point of all of this? Matthew 14, 34 through 36, it tells us that. They had just finished up. A time of ministry. And then after that, Jesus and Peter walked on water. And yes, Peter did. We'll talk about that another time. But Jesus and Peter, they walked on water and they climbed back into the boat. And so they are making their way to cross over to the other side. And now they have. And then Matthew 14, verse 35, the people there on that side begin bringing all the people who were sick to Jesus. Because they felt like if they could just touch the edge of his cloak, that they could be healed. So then if we're asking the question, why we need to get outside of the tent, what we need to do when we're outside the tent so that we can cross, because we need to cross over. Why do we need to cross over? Family, we must cross over because miracles are on the other side. That the sick Are gonna be healed. You gotta believe that. You may say, Well, I prayed for somebody to be healed and they weren't. Then how come? Family, there are things on this side of eternity that we may not get the answer to. We may have to wait till we get to the other side. But until that time comes, with faith and with hope and with trusting the word of God, you still gotta do it. That we must believe that on the other side, the sick are going to be healed that the captives, people who are bound by depression, bound by anxiety, bound by whatever things they may have been struggling for for years can be set free, and that the oppressed can be delivered. We must cross over because there are miracles on the other side. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. There are miracles on the other side. God, you have called us to follow your presence, to live different, and to listen to your word. God, I ask that you empower us, all all of us in this space today, to do just that. Not so that people can see us, but so that people can see you. So with every head bowed and all eyes closed in here just for a moment, there may be some of you in the room today you say, you know what, Michael, I need Jesus to come into my life. That I need to, I've been living a stuck life. I've been in one place, one space, and I need to cross over. I didn't feel like I was in a tent, but I, I've been outside of that, but now I'm kind of wondering, like, what, what do I need to do? I, I need to cross over. That I want to follow his presence. I, I, I want to live different. That I want to listen to the word and